This is the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Dating and Relationship on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, your host, founder of Single in the City, along with my co-host tonight, philanthropist and TV personality, Joan Kelly Walker. Hello, lovely Joan. Hey, Laura. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, should parents start quiet quitting? What does this mean? Well, tonight we're going to be learning more about this with our guest, Florence Ann Romano. She's been on our show before. So hello, Florence. Hi, hello, Hi. ladies. So Hi. happy to be with you again. Well, so happy to see you. Now, Florence is a personal growth strategist and author of the upcoming book, Build Your Village, a guide to finding joy and community in every stage of life, which will be available in February and tonight we're going to be discussing how parents can pre or reprioritize to keep themselves from getting overwhelmed, the importance of being emotionally present, and tips to help you keep things under control. Well, thank you for joining us again, Florence. Nice to see you. I'm so happy to be here. Always fun with you too. I always enjoy it. <laughs> um, likewise. Now, quiet quitting is something that we've seen lots of people talk about when it comes to employment. Now, can mm -hmm. you explain what this is for our listeners who aren't familiar with this term? Why are people doing this? Well, in the corporate side of things, then also in your personal life, what we see is a lack of boundaries oftentimes, whether it is in the work environment or in your home environment. Uh, and, and that boundary word, you know, oftentimes people get very nervous when you say boundaries because they get defensive and think, oh, they're doing something wrong. But, you know, it's the idea that there are so many hours in the day that you can get things done, so much energy you have available. And in this person, the particular situation with parents quiet quitting, parents are feeling overwhelmed with the parenting and the boundaries and everything else that needs to be done. And so it's about creating a space where you feel like there's some sort of balance. And then beyond that, also not comparing yourself to everything and everyone uh, else that is going on around you. And that's to be said for people, even without children, you know, that's where we see it in the workplace where you feel like there's only so many hours in a day and you're disappointing everyone and everything. Um, so we can really look at this, uh, from a bird's eye view, uh, for everyone, regardless if you're a parent or not about how you are overextending yourself and the boundaries you're creating. Hmm. So I have to admit, I've never heard this term before. <laughs> I, maybe that's because my kids are a bit older. They're like 20 and 22. But I certainly went through this when I was younger and certainly in, uh, you know, different stages in, of employment. I really felt that. So uh, I think your your book is is brilliant. And I really can't wait to listen to the rest of what you have to say tonight, Florence. Oh, Joan, you're so sweet. And, you know, you're you're such a spectacular mama. And, you know, we've had conversations about kind of how things have affected you at different times in your life. And like you said, you have adult children. Um, and so it's not necessarily something I think people who are in your shoes feel like it applies to them, but it, it really does. I think when we look at our life as a whole. Uh, so again, parents, you can take note of this, but then also folks listening who are not parents, um, perfectionism. This tends to be a big 
big issue in our lives subconsciously most of the time. And, you know, we all understand how social media works. We all use it. We scroll, you know, we love seeing people. I'm, I am going to admit, and I just said this before we started the interview. I love being able to see Laura and Joan on social media so I can keep in touch and, and see what they're up to. And it makes you feel like you have a sense of connection there, but there's the flip side to social media. And I think that's where a lot of this quiet quitting comes into place too, is because you tend to compare what you're doing in your life to what you're seeing as you scroll. And I'm going to use an example for parents that happened during this holiday season. There was one mom that was saying to me in a private conversation, I just feel like I've totally failed my kids this year because I did not put up the decorations even for Halloween that I wanted. I didn't, I don't feel like I didn't make Thanksgiving special enough. I don't think Christmas was magical. New Year's was a bust, you know, talking about just kind of how they felt that they had really failed their family because they weren't able to create all of those moments that they see showcased on social media and otherwise. And she was feeling really, really, really bad about herself, really being hard on herself. And I thought about it a little bit more after this conversation and thought how we subconsciously are comparing ourselves to so many things. And then we wake up in the morning and we wonder why we feel so depleted, so inferior, so less than. And that's not just exclusive to parenting. That's us in general, just as human beings. And so I'm sure Laura and Joan, you could probably think of moments in your life, even recently, or, um, uh, you know, even uh, in your, in your, childhood, teenage years, whatever it is, where this concept of feeling like you're not good enough or you're not doing what everybody else is uh, makes you feel very inferior. Only when Joan travels all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's so glamorous. I'm, I'm, I'm here unpacking boxes and moving <laughs> stuff all over the place. Really glamorous. You're coming with me next time, by the way. Well, <laughs> yay. No, you know, and I, I feel like people um, are also lacking in other areas. I mean, if they're making all those things extra special, right, that takes a lot of time and energy and people don't like think about those things. So like, where are they lacking in other areas of parenthood if they have all this time in the world to make all those things so extra bright and special, right? Like everything is so time consuming. So we have to stop, you know, looking at other people and what they're doing and just concentrate on your own own life and, and you know, how you can make um, things special for yourself and for your kids. Like mm -hmm. nobody's perfect. So we we have to think about it that way too. So can we talk about the the list of things that people compare themselves to so many things? Like what are those things specifically? Because some people may not even realize that, you know, social media is obviously one comparing themselves to other parents or school standards. Are there more items on that list that people may not realize that they're they are using comparison and it's pulling them down? Sure. I mean, you're looking at other children's behavior. I mean, Joan, gosh, when you were raising your kids, do you feel like, you know, when you'd have the kids out or one of your kids was having a little bit of a meltdown and you see another mm. mom with her kids and you're like, oh, why, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> that she's not yeah. kids in line there. 
right? You know, what's going on with me? You know, I can't, I, why can't I control the zoo right now? I'm not, I'm not in control. So it could be as simple as that, seeing your child have a little bit of a tantrum. And then you see another child walking down the street with her mom and matching dresses and everyone's cheery and happy looking. And you're like, what am I doing with my life? It could be even volunteering at a school, a function for your kids. You know, you're, you are a working mama, Joan, and you know, you can't be everywhere all the time. And, you know, I was very lucky to have, um, my mom was a homemaker, a stay-at-home mom, and she was on all of our field trips with us. However, there were a lot of uh, kids in my class where they had two parents working in the home and their mom or dad hardly ever was able to come volunteer at school or do a field trip. Um, and that alone can cause guilt for a parent that they're not able to show up in that way because their schedule just won't allow it. And even single parents where it's all falling on you and maybe you're working more than one job and you're not able to volunteer at the school because it's just not going to work for the schedule. That's also another comparison you're making. Even looking at birthday parties, I laugh because I look at my friend's kids, you know, they have like their first birthday party and anyone can celebrate any any way they want. But I'll tell you, from when I was younger to now, the first birthday parties, very different. It was not yeah. like that for me. You know, there was cake and some balloons and your friends and cousins, and that was kind of it. And now it's like, okay, we've rented out the entire zoo and we have, you know, is, is, you know, people coming in as special, you know, guests and, you know, you get to ride a camel, you get to do all these different things. And it's just a little different now. And again, that can make you feel bad, whether you're able to do that or not financially or otherwise, you're still comparing yourself and wondering if you're making things special for your children. Again, anyone can do anything they want. I think it's wonderful. Celebrate your life in however way you want. Um, but it doesn't mean that other people aren't looking in and thinking, am I doing something wrong if I'm not doing that? Right. And you know, the other one I thought of is nannies. Like if you have help, there's like a whole psychology around that too, because you're thinking like, oh, they got to spend that time with the child uh -huh. or they got to go on that class trip with the child and I didn't. Right. And like for me during the day, yes, I did have help, but at nighttime it was all me. But then I'd be the one getting up at night if they needed to get up and then I'd be exhausted the next day. So there's this kind of pull about, oh, the nanny shows up. And I remember when my, my firstborn was really young she she was saying, oh, you know what? He was so good today. He slept for me all day. And I'm like, well, great. Now he's going to be up all night for me. Thank you very much. So there's a constant struggle, right? Uh, you know, just how, how to do this. And parents haven't done this before. So you don't know how to do it. And it, no. it depends on the personalities and the situation. Like there's so many factors. And there's no perfect formula for it either. As you know, they, they say you can read all the books you want, but oftentimes, you know, until you're actually in the scenario yourself, you're not really going to know. And that could be said for life, I, I'd say, you know, until you experience something for yourself, you can you can have empathy, you can have sympathy, but it's always a different a different feeling, a different experience when you actually are walking in those shoes. And to your point of nannies, you know, I was a nanny for over 15 years in my mm -hmm. life and I saw it in the homes and, and how the parents felt, you know, about having that help, needing that help, but there also being a tremendous amount of guilt that was attached to that as well about, you know, well, is, you know, my kid going to 
you know, love the nanny more than they love mm-hmm. me. They're spending <laughs> yeah. time, more time with the nanny. Uh, you know, and so again, you know, here we go with that kind of self-loathing we all turn to in so many different ways. And, you know, it's funny because I, I actually just recently had a conversation with my therapist because, you know, all those are the best lines. You start with, well, I talked to my therapist about this and they're like, okay, well, what happened in that, in that session? And she said to me, when I had said, I feel like I am embarrassed about the way that I handled this, or I feel shamed about the way that I handled this, or I, I, I I should have known better and I was wrong. And I was saying, and I was thinking to myself that word wrong as we all use that so often, you know, I was wrong when I said this, or I was wrong when I did that, or, or just in general, when we feel like when something is not done the way we want it to, or not perfect, or we're comparing ourselves to other people, we are in the wrong. Instead of saying you're in the wrong, you should be using the term helpful. That's not helpful to me. And I think that will help us cut down on comparing ourselves so much or thinking we're wrong. Time for a quick break, guys. And after the break, we're going to be sharing how you can reprioritize to make parenting a little easier. Stay with us. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellata from singleinthecity.ca, Toronto's news. Today's talk, 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellata, joined by... Joan Kelly Walker this evening and our special guests, Florence and Romano, getting back to the ways that parents can keep the overwhelm at bay. Now, as a parent, it's so easy to get overwhelmed. You know, you have so much to handle when you're looking uh, after more than just yourself. And it's important, right, to adjust to make things more manageable. And one of the ways that you could recommend doing this, um, and you were talking about this in the first segment, is like setting healthy boundaries. And not just for your kids, but for you as well. Now, I'm all about boundaries, right? I talk about setting boundaries and dating, um, but this is a little bit different. I know that by setting boundaries as a parent, it's it's going to allow your child or your children to feel safe, right, and secure, which can also lead to less anxiety, um, things like rules and routines, like, you know, meal times, bedtimes, homework times, like chores and all that stuff, and like how often they can be on their phones, right? Screen time. Um, when these are set by the parent, I think uh, it creates a predictability in a child's life. Now, what are some of the other healthy boundaries that parents should keep in mind? And are there other reasons that, you know, other than the ones that I mentioned that make setting boundaries so important? Well, the boundaries uh, when it comes to parenting have to do also with not being ashamed to ask for help. I think that's a, a big part of it too. And that's why we in life, I think parent or not, end up becoming really stressed out and exhausted is because we're trying to do everything ourselves. So that boundary uh, is internal, I think, for a lot of us of knowing that we don't always have to be the solution to every problem. And asking for help is not that sign of weakness. An example, uh, instead of you going and doing pickup for your kid that day, you you are at your wits end, the laundry's piling up, you've got work to do, whatever it might be. You have a friend that lives down the block that you know is going to go to pick up anyway for her kids. And you call and say, would you mind just, you know, snagging my kids, scooping them up too? 
that would be a big help. Maybe that gives you an extra 30 minutes in your day to do whatever it is that you need. Call that friend, vent, close your eyes for a minute or get that work done, take that meeting. But those are all, again, being able to create those boundaries because that's a boundary for yourself. That's a self-care boundary that isn't selfish. Hmm. And, you know, I can't help but think how much more uh, complex things get when you're caring for your children, but you're also caring for your parents. And mm -hmm. I've been in this kind of, what do they call it, sandwich generation for the last several years. And unfortunately, my mom just passed. Uh, but I really felt the pressure coming from two different sides all at once. And like you said, everybody's trying to do everything and you know, everybody's trying to do their best, but it's very difficult. So the boundaries have to extend kind of uh, forward towards your parents and then backwards towards your kids. It's really a lot. I'm so sorry about your mom, Joan. And, and you know, you. it's, it's so difficult, you know, loss and, and everything that goes along with grief. And they say grief, you know, it takes as long as it takes. And there's no, you know, guidebook really to that. Um, but also what you're mentioning about the caretaking, I think people feel that in a lot of ways, especially the generation you're discussing. I grew up in an old fashioned Italian family. My grandparents lived with us growing up. So I, you know, they were a huge part of my life and they both have, have passed on now. Uh, but watching how you care for someone, especially the, you know, the aging population, uh, that teaches you a lot of lessons about also how you have to take care of yourself through that. Because I'm sure Joan, you know, from being a caretaker or as your, you know, parents age, as your mom aged, um, it, it takes a toll on the caretaker themselves as well. And so take that term caretaker and apply it to all the different places in life that we care, that we have caretaking. And the same rules apply there, though, about how are we taking care of ourselves? It's the whole analogy about the oxygen mask. You put it on yourself before you put it on anyone else on the plane, because if you're not taking care of yourself, how are you going to be able to take care of everyone else? And gosh, I know moms know how that feels like it feels like everything depends on them. Now, another thing you mentioned uh, is that parents should uh, skip the extras. What do you mean by that? <laughs> Skip the extras. Well, everyone's overextended, especially our children. You know, can you maybe skip a, an extracurricular activity that week? You're not going to do dance class. You're not going to do piano because you just need some time to unwind or you need to spend that time with your child, sit home and order in dinner, just play a board game, watch a movie and just connect. Those are the extras, not to make a habit of it. You don't want your children to think they, they don't have to honor the commitments that they've made, but every once in a while, it's okay to pay hooky. Mm. Uh, and what kind of things um, are okay to skip? What other things are okay to skip? Again, it could be a soccer practice or a dance lesson. Um, it could also be commitments that you have with your family or friends. You know, perhaps it's just been a really long week. Everyone's kind of feeling run down under the weather, whatever it might be. And you say, you know what? I know we have these plans. I'm so sorry uh, to cancel, but we will reschedule. It's just, it's just too much for us right now. And I know there's guilt that comes along with that too. You don't want to be rude. You don't want to disappoint. However, it's okay to take care of yourself and your family first. Mm -hmm. I agree. It's, uh, you know, I have a friend that was constantly canceling at the last minute and it was sort of annoying, but I mm -hmm. really respect her 
you know, her just being really in tune with where she was at, she would just say, you know what, I just can't do it today. Sorry. And then she'd be okay with it. And so I was okay with it. And, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of power in that, but Mm -hmm. very few of us actually do it. We kind of force ourselves to keep going because we made a commitment. And there's always a happy medium too, right, Joan? You know, you don't want to be that consistently late friend or the one that's always canceling. Then you become unreliable, all of those things. You want to make a habit of it, of course, and disrespecting people and their time. Um, But certainly you can appreciate, like you just said, you know, why that person's making that choice. And then you hope that when it comes time for you to have to make that choice, that they will also reciprocate with kindness. Yeah, it's self-care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and we talked about this earlier, but I think it's so important. And I think that maybe we should, you know, just go through it again and mention it again. And maybe we can also offer some more tips around it. But I feel that parents do tend to hold themselves like to this high standard, right? And like, I feel like they have this need to be perfect all the all the time. And I think it's important to ditch that need to be perfect, right? Um, because I think like, you know, as you mentioned before, as human beings, we naturally compare ourselves to other people. But do you feel like women uh, like are more vulnerable in this area? Because um, I tend to think so, you know, as women, we tend to look to others for permission, um, you know, to make sure that we're doing things right. Like I know, like I'm not a parent, but I know that I do this naturally. Like I'm always, do you think I'm doing it right? Like, do you think I could be doing it better? Right. Um and do you think that urge only gets stronger when women do become moms? What do you guys think? Well, Joan, I'll let you speak to the the, the mom portion of it, but I would yeah. say in general, I would say we we are hard on ourselves and and because that's just human nature, but I think also we are constantly looking for validation in one way, shape or form. And a nicer way to say that is I think in life, we want to be seen, heard and understood in all those forms. And so that's why I think women are a little bit more vocal about that. Not that men don't, you know, to have those moments where they, they're not comparing themselves to others. Um, I know that they do. I certainly know that they do, but I think women are just a little bit more comfortable with perhaps communicating that feeling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, I totally agree. And it just reminded me of a friend of mine that had four boys in a very short period of time. And when bedtime came, it was just bedtime. They all went to bed. And I was like, how do you do that? That's incredible. And she said, why well, just say to them, like, I have to sleep because if I don't sleep. I'm no good to anybody. And like, it was like this thunderbolt hit me. And I was like, wow, that's so true. Because I was, you know, I just sort of defaulted to trying to do it all and be everything to everybody. But you you have to consciously make that effort and really think about it and, and plan around it. And I don't care what people think. This is how I'm doing it because this is what I need to do. So it worked for her and it was great for me because it really did help. I, I think that that's so well said. I, you know, I think it, it, just giving each other grace, right, Joan? I mean, I think that that's really what it comes down to in, in life is that um, you are not you're not always the bad guy in your story. You know, I think oftentimes we cast ourselves that way, strangely, that it's always our fault. We're wrong. We were, we, you know, we're we unfortunately are always less than. Um, and I think if we're honest with one another about uh, really the authentic versions of ourselves, it helps us 
it helps us survive another day to just kind of put it that way, where you don't feel like you're alone in the struggles that, that you're not, that there's nothing wrong with you. I think that's what we want to feel too, is that there's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with us, that what what's happening to us is normal and that other people are experiencing it too. Yeah. So, um, how can we do this, you know, and stop comparing ourselves uh, to other parents? If you're someone that tends to do this. I wish I could say just stop, right? <laughs> stop it. Just stop doing it. And then that's enough. Um, no, I think it's small steps that lead to big results. I think, uh, you know, journaling is something I have found that's helpful for a lot of different people in my life where uh, they acknowledge that they're feeling a certain way, kind of write it down, write through it, and then make a goal for themselves. Okay, this week, you know, we're not going to do everything perfectly. And also, I'm not saying like, all right, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, I'm not going to care what anyone thinks and I'm going to feel great and I'm going to be positive all the time. That's not realistic. So maybe when you write down that journal entry, that goal for yourself this week is that you're not going to scroll social media at night before you go to sleep. Instead, you're going to read. Instead, you're going to meditate. Instead, you're going to have a conversation with a friend or your spouse, your partner, whoever it is. And you're going to kind of put away something that you know is connecting you subconsciously to uh, a comparative moment, perhaps that could be a big goal for you that you're going to maybe not do that every night this week. Maybe you'll do it four out of the four out of the seven days, but um, you can make a goal to start limiting that time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, another really common thing with, with parents and just, you know, people in general is that people tend to feel exhausted and overwhelmed. And you get to that point where you're sort of in that brain fog. How do you know when it's really time to step back and reassess how you're doing things? Like when you're in the fog, you can't see the fog. So like, are there signals? Are there triggers that you can look for? I think that's a great question. And I I think that the signals usually have to do with how you're reacting most of the time. For me, that is what it is. Usually I, you know, I was on the phone with my mom the other day and I was, she wanted like to me to look at a couple of things that she was texting me. And I was like, I just, uh, it's enough. I have to go. have to go to sleep. And all of a sudden I'm like, why am I snapping on her? Like, this is so bizarre. Normally I'd have no problem having this conversation with her, but I realized it'd been like days since I had actually gone to bed at a decent hour and was just exhausted. And I realized I need to start prioritizing how I go to sleep when I go to sleep and that this is starting to, to, to pull out and, and permeate things in my life that it shouldn't. And that reaction to my mom was disproportionate to what was going on. So I think it's those signs you need to look for in your life that seem like they're outside of your normal behavior, how you're reacting to something. Oh, another thing too, uh, is joining a support group. What about that? You know, I think Mm -hmm. that there are a lot of moms out there that struggle with mental health issues. And I think, and even if if they don't struggle with mental health issues, I think it would be beneficial to like, to have this support circle, you know, with other moms who are experiencing similar challenges, you know, what do you guys think about that? Because I, I love support groups. I think they're marvelous. Support groups are a great way also to virtually connect with people. Not all the time can you just walk down the street and visit with your friend. But I have found that a lot of people, especially uh, friends of mine who are going through IVF, uh, they belong to a lot of virtual support groups that are people they'll never meet, but provide a lot of encouragement um, and, and help them through that very specific time in their life. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Okay, it's time for another quick break. When we come back, more parenting tips from Florence. We'll be right back. 
Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show with Laura Bellotta from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News, today's talk, 640 Toronto. It's Sunday night. You're listening to the Dating and Relationship Show on AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta, your host with the lovely Joan Kelly Walker. And we're joined this uh, this week by Florence and Romano. And we're getting back to our chat on, you know, how to manage parenting. So, and uh, let's you know, continue our conversation. Um, I love this one, right? That you had mentioned, fill your cup before you fill your schedule. Why is this so important? To go back to kind of what we were, we just touched on earlier that you have to take care of yourself first before you take care of everybody else. And I also heard it said once that you're not stressed out because life is, 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 too overwhelming or is too hard to keep up with. You're stressed out because you're not doing enough of the things that bring you joy. And that's why you're unable to do the other things as well or handle the other things as well, because you're not filling up that cup. Uh, So the self-care, like we've touched on here and Jones uh, talked about as well, is so important. So you can continue being there for other people, being there for yourself. And so there's a lot of different ways. I think we provide self-care, but but it's not always the same. And I think people think that it means always like going to like a full spa day. And, you know, that's not what self-care really is. Um, It's about, again, what is going to fill up that cup that is going to, in its quality, be something that is going to be a a change for you, is going to be a rejuvenation for you, is somehow going to be able to be that spark for you. It's not about the quantity of the time that you're doing. It's the quality of the activity. So Florence, do you have a list of those things that you would suggest if somebody asks you, like, I just don't know how to do this? Like, you know, affirmations, journaling, meditation, uh, you know, working out, like, is like, what is your list? I think all of that is great. And all of those would absolutely qualify as self-care. It also could be part of your daily routine. It's not just something you do when you feel like you need to be rejuvenated or fill up again. It could just be something that this is what you do on a day-to-day basis to take care of yourself. Um, you know, hydrating, eating healthy, making sleep a priority as hard as that is, moving your body, like you mentioned about working out. For me, it's always walking. Uh, Joan, I am always out the door as soon as I can going for a walk. Even if it's 20 minutes, I have to have that music on my headphones and move my body. And it does the biggest difference for me. And it's again, not the quantity of it. It's not like I get to go on a two hour power walk. Sometimes I get to do that, but it's not often. Um, and then also creating a sanctuary for yourself, having a space in your home where you feel like you can relax and decompress. It's a cozy nook. It's a place, you know, that makes you feel good. Maybe you only spend 10 minutes a day in there. You get up a little bit earlier before the kids, because you're going to have that coffee and peace. And that's going to change the rhythm of your day, but also trying to to find ways to laugh and not taking yourself so seriously or life so seriously. I know one of my friends, we laugh because we'll be texting each other, but then also sending each other memes like on Instagram. And at the same time, we're having two different conversations on two different platforms sometimes, but just that connection, just that meaningful moment sometimes of just checking in on someone and then making you laugh, that could be enough just to break that mood or whatever is going on with you to that day. Again, another moment that something can help fill up that cup instead of being this uh, quantity that you're trying to fulfill. Some people Mm -hmm. are so good at that. Like I have a girlfriend that she takes time out to have her bath 
And I was talking to her about it last night. And I said, man, I wish I, I need to start taking baths. She said, Laura, once you start, you're not going to stop. But she says, I need this for my mental health. She says, light a kiss. She goes, I love it. You know, I, I put in the Epsom salts. I, let, I add a little soda. This was just last night. So it's at the top of my head. And she said, you know, I light the candles and I have that hour to myself where I decompose. Like I, de I mean, not decompose, decompress. You know, I decompose in the <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden you start rotting. <laughs> oh my gosh. The opposite of what you want to happen when you're in the bath, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So I, I need to get better at that myself. Um, but I'm yeah. all about the walk. So that's how I decompress is I go yeah. for, I can walk for miles and hours, you know. Yeah, me too. I love the walking, the sleeping, the reading, the laughing, the bath. I have a bath every single night. Uh, uh -huh, but you know, one too. thing I observed about reading is with myself, I noticed I was feeling guilty if I wasn't reading something, you know, educational or that I was like, you know, getting another perspective or, or something motivational. And I realized that I really do relax more when I read novels. So now I got rid of that guilt and I lay down usually on my bed when I read, even sometimes in the afternoon, if I just need to like change my state and get away from it, I just sit down and read a novel and I feel so much better. And I you know what? And I still... I still have all my other books. I, yeah, you know, right. I'm trying to alternate between them, but I do take the time now and say, it's okay for me to read a novel. Mm -hmm. I was given that advice this morning, ladies, because I haven't been sleeping that well. And I feel like I just have so much on my mind or something. Right. So I, I'm falling asleep at like one, one watching television. And someone said, read and find the boring, the most boring book ever. And just start reading. Yeah. <laughs> try or that tonight. It's good if you do your routine. Like I, I have my bath every single night. Like this is my routine. I have my bath. I read a bit and then I lay down and I go to sleep and I have sleep tracking devices. I have an aura ring. Other people use their Apple watch or whatever, but it, it does motivate you to think, okay, you know what? It's 10 o'clock or whatever time. I really, this is my time for my winding down. And if my husband walks in and starts saying, did you call this person about the plumber and this, and you know, I just tell him, you know what, I'm, I'm decompressing right now. I'm chilling to get my sleep set up. So I can't deal with this right now. But what Talk if to me about it in the morning. But what if he comes in and wants hanky panky? <laughs> well, that's a whole, I, I'm still working on that. I could probably use some advice. I mean, my routine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Earlier, you missed the window. Yeah. Yeah. We need to train them. So <laughs> But it's also asking for what you want to Joan and Laura, you know, that's what it is too, is, is not, is not feeling bad about the fact, like what you just said, Joan is I, I just don't want to handle that right now. And you could say what you mean and not say it mean, right. Instead of like, you know, snapping at your husband necessarily, <laughs> you could say, you know, I, you know, I, I totally am interested in this and I agree it's a priority, but like, let's handle this in the morning. I just been, you know, a day, whatever. It's all about delivery in life. Right. I yeah. think most things, you know, are about the way we say something, um, but standing up for yourself and saying that this is what's important to me right now. And I've been looking forward to this all day or whatever it is, you know, we got to, we have to learn to ask for what we want. We can't expect everyone to be a mind reader, certainly have, when it comes to how we take care of ourselves. Have you seen the looks that they give when you say, you know, babe, can we wait till the morning? I get like dirty looks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking about the importance of building a village as you raise your kids.
Colada from singleinthecity.ca. Toronto's News. Today's Talk, 640 Toronto. Welcome back to the Dating and Relationship Show. You're listening to AM640 Toronto. I'm Laura Bellotta with Joan Kelly Walker and Florence Ann Romano. And we're getting back to our discussion. Uh, and now we're going to talk about building a village that can support you. And I know, uh, Florence, that you place a lot of emphasis on building a village that can support you. Can you tell us a little bit more about what this means? Well, in in my book that's coming out that you mentioned in the beginning, uh, Build Your Village, I developed six different characters, six different villagers, if you will, that you relate to in one way or another. You see yourself in those villagers, and then you also figure out who do you need of those villagers in your own village and kind of cast those roles. And the reason I I honestly had the idea for doing this book is I was kind of sick of hearing people complain about the fact that no one had uh, directions to the village, had a phone number to call. You know, they're like, "What, what is this elusive? village everyone keeps talking about. And I was like, well, you know what? It's about time we pay attention to this because this is something that's going on in a lot of people's lives on a global level. And speaking of a global level, we all know what it was like when COVID-19 hit and we knew what it felt like to lose our people. Uh, We lost our communities. We lost our support systems. We weren't able to be together. We were isolated. All of that happened. And when I kind of looked at that from a more discerning eye, I figured out that that's really what we need to concentrate on going forward rebuilding after that is rebuilding connection and how difficult it is for people to be rebuilding connection laura to to your point you know about dating um you know i myself am single and i said to myself okay you know one thing i have to pay attention to this in this new year is dating again uh because i had a relationship end in september and oh my gosh i already feel exhausted having to enter into this again i don't even want to but if i want to change that about my life i'm going to have to put time in energy into it, just like I do anything else. And I feel like that's where we have lost ourselves a bit as a society is actually putting in the time and energy into connection because it's much easier to disconnect now since we got so used to that before during COVID. I also find that during since COVID, like we're talking about rebuilding connections, but I also have observed for myself, it's like rebuilding connections or not. Like sometimes mm-hmm. if you, if you didn't, like if that connection was lost with someone and it's not really kind of surfacing up again in your heart or in your mind to to maintain that connection sometimes it's a, it's a good opportunity to just clear house and yes. just kind of get rid of some some people that you may not need so much in right. your life and that weeding out process, Joan, that you're talking about is important too, because, you know, we don't always have the capacity to maintain all the relationships and friendships that we've had our whole lives. I mean, that's very rare that that would happen. I was telling a friend the other day that I have been friends with a handful of people since I was four years old, since we met in kindergarten class. And I'm very lucky to still be friends with those people all these years later. It's not necessarily the rule. I would say it's probably the exception that something like that um, has maintained itself. And there's all different reasons that it has. But as I've grown up and as I've made different relationships, those people that I knew when I was four years old have consistently been a part of my life where there are people I've met, you know, maybe even a few years ago who are no longer part of my life that maybe I thought would be there much longer, but for different reasons, that relationship or that connection fizzled out, or we were no longer serving each other in the way perhaps that relationship or friendship needed. Um, So I think your point is a very smart one. We don't have to look at losing people in our life necessarily at all as a failure. Mm -hmm, I agree. 
Um, I, I find some of my better friends I've met later on in life and, and some of the ones that, you know, were my friends, I feel like really disappointed me along the way, you know? <laughs> and so you can meet friends at any stage in life. It's never too late. As long as you're living, breathing, <laughs> you know, you can still meet people. I mean, Joan and I met later on in life and I, mm-hmm. I, Oh, I that love was her. what, like five years ago? I I don't know. I think a little longer now. Yeah, maybe since the show, seven, I think. Yes, we did. But we built a friendship and, you know, yeah. we I think we care about each other. Well, I know I, I care think about we her. Do. I don't know how she feels about me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's never too late. It's never yeah. too late. That That's exactly right. And you're also going to select different people to be in your life for different reasons, depending on the circumstances of your life or the season that you're in in your life. Not everybody stays the whole time because sometimes what I refer to as secondary villages, that's a person or those are people that are going to be a part of your life during a time where you need specific support. Um, and maybe that's the loss of someone in your family and you have your community bringing you know, meals to the house or helping you know carpool your children. But it's not always going to be that way because you only need them for a specific amount of time while you're healing or while you're getting through a transition. And that's okay too. Those people, those, those cast of characters do not necessarily have to be there for the long haul in order to be an important part of your life during that moment. So Florence, uh, you know, in your book, uh, Build Your Village, who are the six characters that you referred to? Accepting, dependable, cheerleader, communicator, organizer, and healer. Uh, and I always say, without me giving you a definition of those six, I guarantee you're probably already thinking, oh, I think I'm probably the dependable one. The dependable one. Oh, <laughs> I was thinking that, not that yes, one. Steve, there you go. And so that's exactly the exercise, you know, that, that you should be doing in your life is figuring out, well, who am I? How do I support other people? How do they see me? And then also, who do I need out of those six in mind? So say those again. I think I'm the cheerleader. Joan, who would you be? Let's say them again. I I need the list again. Accepting, dependable, cheerleader, communicator, organizer, and healer. Not organizer, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Me either. Forget that. Forget that one. I think I'm the cheerleader. Uh, Yeah, I'd say that. I'd say you're a cheerleader. I don't know what I am. Acceptable. What does that mean? Like I'm accepting of other people or people accept me? Well, that's an interesting way of putting, but I would say mostly I'm talking about how you accept other people in terms of judgment. Are you, do you consider yourself a very judgmental person or do you kind of meet people where they are and have an open mind about how you, how they need support? I think I would be acceptable. Yes, she definitely. That's the most beautiful thing about Joan is she accepts everybody and you wouldn't like people would think looking at her life, like, oh, she's snobby. She's this. Are you kidding me? She's amazing. Anyways, guys, that's it for our show today. Florence, where can people get a hold of you? You know, get a hold of your book and all that. You can go anywhere books are sold. Uh, it's available for pre-sale. If you go to my website, florencean.com, you can, uh, you know, snatch it up there for pre-sale too. And then follow me on social media as well. I answer every DM, uh, Florence and Romano. I'm here for you to be your virtual village. Amazing. Joan, where can we get a hold of you? I've got a brand new website getting Yay. updated as we speak. So joankellywalker.com <laughs> or on Instagram, joankellywalkerofficial. And singleinthecity.ca is where you go if you want to find love. And my site is also getting revamped at the moment. Should be ready soon. But you can still purchase events and show up and meet someone special. So go to singleinthecity.ca and follow me on Instagram and TikTok, official Laura Bellotta. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. And every week, love you all and ciao for now. 